Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit BetOnline today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. I want to hear cannons! Three-step drop, goes on the end zone, caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay! Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in! Here they go again, Tempo mode, dropping the throw, Winston out again, throws to the left, it's intercepted into the 35, outside the numbers to the 40, to the 35, to the 30, to the 25, to the 20, to the 15, 10, Mike Edwards, touchdown Tampa Bay, that's the dagger, my friend. This is the Big Nasty, yeah, Big Nasty, Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother, you ain't listening. You're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons going. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. Today on the show, we take a look back. We remember and we appreciate the career of uh, one of the greatest Tampa Bay Buccaneer wide receivers of all time, Cole Beasley decided to call it a season or a call it a career this week after two games in a Buccaneer uniform. And quite frankly, we were just we were lucky to be here to see him. I, I mean, to get to talk to you guys about what he brought to this team during his time here. And listen, four catches, seventeen yards, didn't find the end zone. That's all right. Not all the great wide receivers have to. But I'll tell you this: he wasn't always perfect. He had his fair share of trouble of of criticism he had to work through a couple of drops in his career but at the end of the day he decided that after 11 seasons in the nfl it is enough he, he's had enough he's ready to be a family man and he will uh, go live with his family in texas we obviously wish him the best but man one of the greatest box wide receivers to ever do it <laughs> um yeah i think you know in the in all seriousness i don't know i, I think part of the the decision for him was he kind of saw the writing on the wall um, that like once the book wide receivers got healthy, like he wasn't going to play much anyway. He only had one more practice squad elevation left, which would have been this week after that, who knows if he would have even been on the active roster every week. So, I mean, for him, Hey, you made a little bit of money. Why not just sit at home and, and, and relax the rest of the year? You know, it's just funny. You know, the timing of it coming out the way that it has. We're not going to get into the personal life of our quarterback, but things have happened. Things have have been posted and everyone's like, man, you know, you see Brady running a tight ship down there in Tampa. This guy decides to be a family man and hangs it up. But with all that being said, you wish him the best. We're going to talk a lot more about the wide receiver position on the show today, but welcome back. I am your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish. Rocking the Phillies hat, huh? Didn't go so well for Tampa Bay fans yesterday. That's all right. There's two more games. Yeah, the well, I mean, one more game if the if the Rays lose, but yeah, today's a must win. Well, they've got uh, the noon game today, right? 
Yeah, yeah, I believe I think so. And then the Phillies play at night. So uh yeah, the Rays just they kinda get some offense. Just you know, gotta find a way to get some offense. But um I actually I I thought they had a pretty good shot against the Guardians. So we'll we'll see if, if they can if they can bounce back here. I'd like to see him win. This isn't a baseball podcast, so this will be the last take I toss out there. I'd like to see Tampa Bay win, of course. You got uh New York waiting on you in the next round and something about the Rays. It seems like they always have the Yankees number. And uh, maybe that could be the case this year. Obviously, they got to make it out of this first series. But let's talk about football. More specifically, this Sunday's Week 5 matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the visiting Atlanta Falcons. The third straight home game for Tampa Bay as they look to avoid their third straight loss on the season, which in the Tom Brady era of Bucks football generally never happens. Uh, there's a stat floating around there that Tom Brady has not lost three games in a row since, what, all the way back in 2002, I think? Maybe uh, even yeah. right around there? I think it's it would those were twenty about twenty years ago. Yeah, it, it's happened before in his career, um, but yeah, it was about twenty years ago. And not only would this be the the third the third straight loss of Tom Brady's Bucks career, which is would be the first, it would also be the first time since Week One of twenty twenty that the Bucks would be under five hundred. Not ideal, but uh, I, I mean, I hate to I hate to preface this show by telling everybody what's going to happen. I know I joked on the last podcast about how the Bucks are probably going to hang 40 on Atlanta this weekend. I don't quite think it's going to be 40, but I do think they are going to win handily. I think the offense figures uh, it out. Do this. Oh, don't I'm going to do it. Okay. How many I'm times do it. like the, the, the Jets game and the Washington game? Oh, so you can tell any time, any time I roll out know. a hot take on the offense. No, no. Every, every time you're like, yeah, the, the Bucks will win this one easily. You know? and oh, it, I'm not it, saying they're going to win it easily. That way. You said handily. By the end of it, I think it's going to be a, a three possession plus game. Yeah, That's yeah. Easy. I don't know. I don't know if the first half is going to look like that. I don't think it'll be smooth sailing all four quarters. But I think by the end of this one, it's going to be a pretty comfortable lead. Okay. All right. Well, um, let's talk about the injury report as we do. Always opening up these game preview episodes. A uh, couple of players the Bucks have ruled out. Only three: Cameron Brait at the tight end position, defensive lineman Akeem Hicks. And safety, Logan Ryan. I guess we should talk about Cam Brate first since we're going to spend some time talking about the wide receiver room. But uh, with Cam Brate out, likely means that we're going to see Kyle Rudolph dress again. He's been a healthy scratch before for Tampa Bay, so not sure how many of those targets he's going to get. But we should also get a healthy dose of Kate Otten and Co. Keeft. And I know we mentioned it briefly, but uh, rookie Kate Otten. I think he might be the unsung hero of this rookie class so far because he's, I mean... He's not going to be a superstar. It's not going to be a Gronk headline that he'll have on uh, on Sunday. But, I mean, he is definitely – I've noticed a difference in this offense with him out there. Yeah, I mean, he's um he's flashed a little bit. Uh, I think – I mean, assuming Gronkowski doesn't come back, which we all have our, our different opinions about that. But, um, you know, assuming he's not on the roster by week 14-15 – I could see Kate Otten being basically this team's number one tight end. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be, oh, my God, you know, so spectacular. But, like, has Cameron Bray been spectacular? You know, I mean, Kyle Rudolph's been a healthy scratch. So, like, it's not going to take a whole lot for Kate Otten to become this team's number one tight end. Uh, I think the biggest thing for him is he needs to end with every rookie. You need to find consistency. Um, you know, that that's a big thing. And you need to be reliable. And right now, Kate Otten has been. Um, you know, obviously he's still playing with, playing with a pretty heavy heart. Do you know the passing the passing of, of of his mother? Um, 
But, you know, I mean, like I said, he looked good versus the Chiefs, and this is a good opportunity for him. This is – um, I don't expect Kyle Rudolph – I mean, Kyle Rudolph will dress. Like, he'll play. Um, but, like, yeah, I don't expect Kyle Rudolph to be getting a ton of targets. So, if there's a tight end who's going to be getting targets, it's going to be K-Dot. Yeah, I mean, a healthy dose of Coquist in there, too, on running downs. We'll talk about the run game here in just a little bit. But I don't know. Maybe we get one or two more targets for Coquist and he makes an incredible sideline catch like he did uh, against Kansas City. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he finally gets to the end zone. There's always, there's always some room for that to happen. But let's talk about the other guys. And uh, more importantly, I think the guys that more people want to see play this week, there's a couple of wide receivers who are listed as questionable for the Buccaneers in this game. Russell Gage is one of them. Julio Jones is the other one. And I got to tell you, it'd be a real shame if neither one of those guys were ready to go this week against Atlanta. Cause uh, I think a lot of people have been looking forward to this one, especially with Julio Jones kind of for sure been touch and go these last few weeks. Well, the interesting thing is uh, Gage was added to the injury report about an hour before we started this. So um, he was not on the injury report. Yes. Well, he was on the injury report yesterday, but he didn't have an injury designation. Now he's back on the injury report with a back injury. So I don't know how it happened. Um, could have been something that popped up at practice. You know, it, it could be something that they're pretty confident he can play. But if it's if there's an injury, they have to report it. So um, and like I said, there is no probable tag. You know, I said this a few weeks ago. There is no probable tag in the NFL anymore. So uh, he has to be questionable. Um, yeah, it, it, it would suck. I I'm pretty con- I don't know about gauges because it just happened. It's a lot of unknowns, but I'm pretty confident Julio is going to play. He practiced the entire week. Um he was limited, but but he was out there the entire week. So I think he'll play a, a little bit. You know, obviously, you know, this game means a lot to him. He didn't get to play the Falcons last year. Um, you know, so so this game means a, a lot to Julio Jones, and I think he's going to want to go out there and, and, and play well. And then, obviously, it would mean a lot to Russell Gage, too, if he can be out there. So And it would mean a lot to the Bucks if both of those guys were out there also. <laughs> Rashad Perryman, the other wide receiver, also listed as questionable. He practiced all week. But when I look at, you know, those three wide receivers, I know you talked about Gage kind of being a little bit more up in the air. And his is interesting, too, because all week it was registered. I think it was a hamstring injury that they had him listed as. And then they put him on there this morning as a back injury. So it's kind of a new development. Maybe the injury changed. I I don't know. We'll probably hear more about it after this Sunday's game. But. I feel confident that between Brashad Perryman, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage, two out of three of those guys are going to give it a go. Yeah, I would think at least two out of three. Yeah, yeah I, I would be surprised, especially since, like I said, Jones and Perryman both practiced this week. Um, Perryman missed last week. Jones, they played really cautious with them last week. So I I would be pretty surprised if, if you know, only one of them or none. Of, I'd be really surprised if none of them played. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think you'll see probably, I don't know which two or three, but you'll probably see you know at least two out of three there. And you know, at the top of the rotation, Mike Evans is going to be there. Chris Godwin, another week in a row that he is back in action for Tampa yeah. Bay much he, sooner. He does, he does not have any injury designations. So. Much sooner than I expected. I know that everybody had wanted the Bucks to stay conservative with his play time. You know, don't let him out there if he's not 100%. But at the end of the day, the only people who really know are the personal trainers and the player themselves. And Chris Godwin has had a couple of good catches against Kansas City, starting to look like himself yet again. We'll look to see if he can keep that momentum rolling this Sunday. But on the offensive side of the ball, I wanted to get into this. Uh, Tom Brady, 10-0 against the Atlanta Falcons in his career to this point. He has never lost to this team. I don't think that changes after this Sunday. But the offense... 
I'm telling you, the reason I'm so high on this offense this week is because they figured it out even when they had to abandon the run last week. I know it was too little too late, but they made they covered the most ground that they had the entire season. And now that guys are starting to feel healthy again, when you've got a Chris Godwin on the roster who has no injury designation, when you've got a Mike Evans on the roster who has no injury designation, that's great news for the playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. I also think maybe we see a little more Rashad White this week, but I'm telling you right now, this offense, I think they're going to continue to just go out there and try and keep this thing rolling. It's an Atlanta defense. They've done it against before. I think they should have no problem putting up 30 points at least. Shake your head all you want. Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, I I mean no, I think I don't want to hear it when they win thirty one seventeen. I don't want to hear it. Ah, uh, so you're just spoiling your your final score prediction. Um, but uh, I've been mean, telling everyone the Bucks are going to win this game since last Sunday. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> you're actually you're actually more conservative this week because you know, last week you were very confident. Um, here's my thing. I think the offense is going to have success just naturally because, you know, guys like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are really good football players. When they're out there, the offense is better. But I worry that, you know, now the Bucs are going to be like, oh, man, yeah, see, we, we got away from the game plan there on Sunday, and now, now we got to go back to running the ball. Like, like we got to, you know, we got to control the clock and, and this and that. I worry about that. So, like the offense just wasn't the same. And, and I, I talked about how I think it was a combination of them wanting to run the ball more and the lack of weapons that they had due to the injuries. I think it was a combination of the two the first few weeks. But it just it, it's a concern of mine. And if they come out with a healthy Mike Evans, healthy Chris Godwin, and let's say Julio Jones and Russell Cage play, and they're still trying to just force the run, that tells me that this is what that's off, this offense is going to be because it's not going to change like you know so i that concerns me a little bit even if you have success on the ground long long term that's not like well against the really good teams that's not how it's gonna fly like, let me not- offer let me offer you this as a rebuttal and this is something i've thought a lot about this week i had a couple of conversations um i don't want to say leonard fournette has been off because that's certainly not the case i mean they abandoned the run faster than they ever have after only three carries for playoff lenny last week But from a fantasy perspective, a lot of people disappointed in Leonard Fournette. And then the recent news coming out that he has explained to Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White, hey, you're going to have to take away some of these carries from me because 85% of the offensive snaps through the first couple of games of the season is not ideal to a running back who runs the way that he does and a guy that you would hope is playing his best physical football at the end of the season, not the beginning of the season. I do think we see a little bit more of Rashad White this week. 97 yards receiving from the running back position for Tampa Bay against Kansas City. Yeah, they threw the ball 50-plus times. They were playing from behind. But clearly somebody on that coaching staff or Tom Brady himself has said, hey, you know, throwing to this guy is actually working out. I think Rashad White could have a big, big week this week after finding the end zone last week as well. Yeah, I I think, you know, the the trust that's being established there, I think, matters. Um I, I think Brady, we kept going to him, you know, right? So that, that shows you that he clearly found something. I do think you could see you know, Rashad White get a little bit more. So um, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, I just, you know, I would rather Rashad White on passing downs than have, you know, Leonard Fournette run the ball 20 times. Like, it's just, you know, because, yeah, you might be able to beat the Falcons, 
by running the ball 20 times with Leonard Fournette. You might be able to. You beat the Cowboys that way. Like, you might be able to. You you could you can't beat the Packers that way. You can't beat the Chiefs that way. And coming up, like you won't beat the Ravens that way. You won't beat the Rams that way. Like that's like that's not how you're gonna beat the really good teams. So long term, I know it would just be one game, but long term, I'm really curious to see what their game plan is on offense this week. I'm hoping it's it's a combination because obviously Tom Brady throwing the ball 52 times isn't good for anybody. So obviously three rushing attempts for Leonard Fournette. There's going to be have to be more than that. But I hope it's a combination of what we saw last week and what we saw the previous few weeks. Like, can't you find a balance that also sort of favors your strength? And Tom Brady even said in his press conference uh, th- this week, he said, yeah, you know, I think we, we tend to fall back in the passing situations because we're so successful at it. Okay. What a, what then, an then, awesome problem to have. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? Like, oh, we got to fall back into the past, but we're really good at it so we can do it better than most teams yeah, in the league. Like, why? Okay, then why are we trying to run the ball more? Like, what what's the deal here? Like, you know that you're, you're good at passing the ball. Like, you know that is the strength of your offense, and you're not playing to it. Like And like I said, I do think it was a combination of them wanting to run the ball more, but also the injuries. I think the injuries played a big factor. But this week's game plan with a hopefully fully healthy lineup, full, you know, Donovan Smith's back as well, I, I think this game plan is going to tell you a lot about what this offense is going to be for the rest of the season. Not necessarily production-wise, because they're going to have good games. They're going to have bad games still. There's a whole season left to be played that's going to happen. But schematically wise and you know and philosophy wise, I think this is this game is going to tell you a lot about where they are. I would say on the offensive side of the ball, those first two or three scripted drives that they bring out, because that's going to be like that, that's uh, what you work on most. You of know, the, week. The, the first play is going to be a handoff to Fournette. The game's like two yards and Twitter's yeah. going to first, first and ten, two yards bring up second and eight and everybody's going to lose their mind. They're going to assume that this is another week in a row where we're just going to see a lot of the runs on first down. It was funny that narrative coming out of the Kansas city game too, because when you only run the ball six total times and three of those are to Leonard Fournette, it's like, what are we really complaining about here? (laughs) Yeah. You, oh yeah. You couldn't complain about that after the Kansas city game. Um, After the other games, maybe, but not after the Kansas city game. I do think it'll be interesting to see how they roll this thing out, but this is the healthiest this wide receiver room has looked in a minute. Uh, aside from, you know, Julio Jones and Russell Gage being questionable when you have your big two who are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it really opens the door for everything else. So now let me ask you on this Falcons defense. Is there any matchups in particular or maybe a position group you're going to have your eyes on uh, more than anybody else on the field? Yeah, it, it's easily Grady Jarrett versus Lou Gedeke. Um Lou Gedeke struggled last week versus a really tough assignment in Chris Jones. Uh, he's he's facing a gauntlet so far. Uh, we we talk about the Bucks themselves facing a gauntlet in terms of opponents, and we're like, oh, now it gets a little easier. It gets a little easier as the team, but for individuals, Lou Gedeke, I mean, he's had to go up against Kenny Clark in Green Bay, uh, David Onyemata in New Orleans, um, and then Chris Jones versus Kansas City, and now he gets Grady Jarrett, who's still a really good player. So that's something where the Falcons may be able to take advantage, and it wouldn't shock me if we see Jarrett, um, 
you know, sort of get get in the backfield a few times. Not saying he'll get a sack, but like he could disrupt some things. And I think uh, a key to this offense is gonna be Gedeke, you know, standing up and 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 being productive because if he can't, that could really throw off a lot of their offense. Yeah, let's check in on the live chat really quickly. Good morning to all of our viewers over on YouTube if you're waking up with us. Uh, Richard T. on the West Coast says, good morning, just waking up L.A. time. So it is right around 8 a.m. over there. So we certainly appreciate you waking up early with us. TB12 Goatman says, kind of hope Russell Gage doesn't sit. He needs to get healthy. He hasn't looked good all year. It's hard for me to sit here and write off Russell Gage and a lot of these recent wide receiver additions. Cole Beasley is one thing. but Look good versus the Packers. I I mean, when he's been targeted... He makes his yeah. catches. You know what I mean? Yeah, we haven't so, seen him explode for 100-plus yards and a touchdown or two on the day so far. But Almost. <laughs> I, close enough. But I, I think people are really starting to underrate you know, what Russell Gage has brought to the table. And injury talk is going to do that. But like, this guy has not been as god-awful as a lot of people seem to think he has been. No, He's a, a wide receiver three. Yeah. <laughs> and well, a lot of it, and, you know, the quarterback decides where the ball goes and Gage has been open a few times and the ball just hasn't come to him. It happens. Like, like I keep bringing up on that Perryman touchdown in new Orleans, Gage was wide open would have been a 25 yard gain. Like he was wide open and it's just the ball didn't go there. Like it's, it happens. South three one nine says we are not good at passing the ball. There has to be more balance. If we're so good at throwing it, then explain all the three and outs we have seen There's on the, the offensive side. All, of the, the all the three and outs are a result of them wasting first and second down by running the ball <laughs> that's that's what it is i will when agree team, yeah. when teams when teams know you're throwing it they can play the pass like and also last week was the first week that the books had their full weapons so like you know, well they, it's it's also different considering you know kansas city like you said when teams know you're in a passing situation all they have to do is just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback and that's what kansas yeah. city was able to do for three and a half quarters last week because after finding yourself in a seven-point hole to start the game, you're automatically playing from behind. Things get a little bit worse. You got to kick it into high gear. The defense has one job, and that's to get after the quarterback because he's going to be throwing the ball 50 times. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and to get after a Tom Brady game plan and disrupt what they're trying to do on the offensive side of the ball, you got to get after the quarterback. And the more chances you have to do that, the more success you're probably going to have because a lot of those offensive linemen are going to get exposed with longevity. That's how it is. But I will agree that you got to find balance because not everyone here on the show is saying that it's ideal for Brady to throw the ball 50-plus times a week. Yeah, but like I said, you have to find balance, but you have to throw the ball more. Hold on, Sal. (laughs) Hold on, he said six runs is not true. But it is. Yeah, well, yeah, they, they they ran the ball six times on on Sunday night. Yeah, I you can know. you can open up the box score, my friend. Yeah. Uh, we we only we only talk statistics on this show, and they only ran the ball six times. Leonard Fournette had three carries for negative two yards. Rashad White had three carries for four. Yeah, five. Yeah, and, and a touchdown. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but anyways, you need to you need to have balance, sure, but you also. <laughs> Pass the ball. Like, you wonder why you're always in third and long situations. Like I said, it's because you are wasting. You're wasting a down, sometimes two downs. Like, you're just, you're wasting it. So, you wonder why you're in third and eight and third and nine. It's because you're waiting. The running game's not working. The running game's not working. In Dallas, it didn't. You stuck with it. Okay. There was a few games in 2021 when Brady, they were throwing it all over the lot. But there was a few games in 2021, they relied on Fournette. Like, that's okay. 
You can't you you can't throw the ball forty times every single week. That won't work that way. But you have to be able to rely on your strengths. Tom Brady just admitted that it was a strength. Everybody knows that the Bucks offense, the strength is the pass. So when the run's not working, the run's not working. And you gotta get away from it, you know, regardless of the score. Like, and I'm not saying to completely abandon it, you know, to have only six attempts. Like, that's, you know, that's extreme because you're down the whole game. Well, you like, you, you just that. pay the guy like a top half running back in the NFL. You'd like to see some production and you'd like to see him carry the load on offense every now and again. That's what you're paying yeah. him for. Yeah. But to me, like, also, like, you know, what you're being paid doesn't matter. Like, you know, I'm trying to do what's best to win that game. Um, you know, if I don't think the running game is going to win me that game, I'm not going to do it. Now, also, I mean, Leonard Fournette's been a decent receiver this, this season. You know, he hasn't had as many targets as he had last year at this point, but he's been a decent receiver. So it's not like he gives you no value on third down. It's just we might see Rashad White a little bit more. So um, now that we, we talked about the offense, I want to move on. Hold on. Real, Hold okay. on. Don't, don't let me interrupt here. We are done right, talking about ahead. the offense. But before we talk about this Buccaneers defense, this isn't our first show of the month, but this is the first show of the month that I have acknowledged that we have not done uh, one of our newest segments here on the show, which I guess is hard to sit here and call a steady segment if we always forget to do it. But ladies and gentlemen, it's time to flip the calendar page. It is the month of October. We have still got Mr. Devin White from September up there. We may or may not have taken a peek at who is next, but we're going to pretend that we didn't. So here we go. Drum roll, please, Evan. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. Antoine Winfield Jr. in the pewter jerseys, yeah. which I wonder I wonder if we'll see those this year. I don't think we're definitely not going to see them this week because the Bucks said they're going to be no. wearing white. But you, I, you I know won- what? You might, you might as well make the, the white jersey just your primary. I know. At I'm, this I'm point, so sick of it. At this point, I don't even mind the white jersey with the pewter pants. I think it's a solid look. I think it's a top three look of their uniform uh, Oh, can we also selection. Stop? Can we also stop the the narrative that what uniform they wear matters if they win or lose? Absolutely not. No, we can't. It, it okay. It doesn't. It does. It doesn't. <laughs> um. No, you're right. It doesn't. I would like to see them in the pewter. The record is not great, but they look really good on television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean. I mean. Yeah. It's you know the white on white is is the worst. And like I get it. It's a 1 p.m. game. It's going to be hot. Like like I get it. And I I expect them to wear white on white this week. But like last week it was a Sunday night game. Like it was like 75 degrees at night. Like why couldn't you just wear just wear the red on white then? Like yeah. y- your primary color is or red. Or the red on pewter. I yeah, mean like, it- like your your primary color is red. Like wh- why why does it why does it have to be the Dallas Cowboys only wearing white at home to make you wear red? Like, why is it that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's funny because uh, we've already seen the red and white this year, have not seen the red and pewter just yet. I know that's not a winning combination, but in my opinion, ever since the Buccaneers made the transition over to pewter power all the way back in, what was it, 1995, I think, 1996? 97, 97, I think. 97, they rebranded. Um, ever since then, red and pewter is like your textbook home uniform. Yeah, I you know what I mean. Like those are like, your two and, main and they colors. Used, they used to wear it a lot. Yeah, they did. Like it just and it like ever since like really like the last like since like two thousand what like two thousand nine or so like two thousand eight like they the white stopped. has really yeah, like has really taken over. Yeah, like there there's no like 
there's no correlation between winning because you have a white jersey on and the other team has a darker jersey on. There is, there is no, there, there's no way you can prove that. Like, you know, you know what, you know what happens? How you win the football game at home? Be the better team. Like that, that, that's how you win. It's not. Oh, well, what jersey you were wearing? It doesn't matter. Like it does, it does not matter. matter. It does. It does. It does. All right. Well, let's agree to disagree on that one and talk about this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I I know health is a factor when we looked over uh, what Atlanta brings to the table on defense because they are healthy, but they do have two players, probably two of the biggest offensive players going to be out this game for them. That is a running back quarter L Patterson, who is on IR. I think this is his second week of missing action. So he should miss two more games after this. And then Kyle Pitts uh, is also out this week. Yeah, this is his first week. Um, well, I know we talk about Kyle Pitts being one of the best weapons for Kyle that Atlanta offense, but he certainly is not used by, like it. Kyle I, Pitts is a ghost. Like, that's not even <laughs> – I'm not even considering that a loss. Patterson is a bigger loss. Pitts, like, yeah, he didn't do anything. Like, like it, to me, it's just not not that big of a deal that Kyle Pitts is not playing in this game. Like, it's just, it's just not. To me, it's Cordero Patterson, what they like to do with him in their offense, that matters. Kyle Pitts – no, I think he's a great talent, but like the way they use him, it doesn't matter. Like it's not a big deal. Now, obviously, I mean, you know, I think Kyle Pitts is probably better than their second string tight end, which is why Kyle Pitts is the first string. But like at the end of the day, like, yeah, was Kyle Pitts getting more than three catches? Probably not. Like he's just, <laughs> he's ignored in that offense. Well, let's talk about what they do. Uh, do well on that offense for Atlanta, and that is run the ball. Cordero Patterson, a top five rusher in the NFL for another week in a row, despite having missed a game. Um, this Bucks uh, defense is looking to bounce back, but the run defense in particular, they had one of the worst games they have ever had last week. They gave up damn near 200 yards on the ground, and uh, I don't know if Atlanta is going to have as much of a window to do that this week, but their backup running back certainly is capable because – he has put up some uh, some great stat lines so far. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler Alligator from uh, BYU. I liked him coming out of college, actually, a good bit. But he had a 10 carries for 84 yards on Sunday and Atlanta's win against Cleveland. Uh, Atlanta's won two straight, while the Bucks have lost two straight. So um, that's why you find yourself in this predicament here where both teams are 2-2 two and two here. And, um, look, I'm going to be straight. Uh, I expect the Falcons to run all over this Bucks team. Like, it's just... Until the Bucks defense, the Bucks defense, you know, we talked about it on the show. I mentioned it on the show a bunch. It wasn't biting them in the butt, but the Bucks run defense has not been good for a, a little bit now. Like it, it hasn't been good all season, really. And I was like, okay, teams keep like really passing the ball, but like, man, whenever they're running the ball, they're getting like chunks. And it finally came to bite them back in the butt. And Kansas City exposed it. And I think Atlanta is one of the best running teams in the NFL. Arthur Smith came from Tennessee, who is one of the best running teams in the NFL. Like, they're going to run the ball. Like, I think they're going to run the ball, and they're going to do it well. Uh, Will they have over 200 yard rushing? No. I I don't think they'll have over 200 yard rushing. But are they going to have over 100 as a team? I think so. It doesn't mean they'll win, but I, I think they'll have over 100 yards as a team. And it's also important to remember that even when this run defense was better, the type of offense that they tend to struggle against is one where you have a quarterback who can be used as another runner. And that's exactly what Marcus Mariota has been. He's been a little more productive on the ground during his time in Atlanta. And uh, the Bucs so far this season have not had an answer for that. So it's going to be interesting when you face tougher teams like Baltimore, who rely heavily on a quarterback who can get away from pressure 
Uh, I mean, Kyler Kyler Murray later in the year versus Arizona. There's, there's, this isn't just the the first test, you know, this is the first of many. And um, yeah, I think it's important to on offense to, to get the lead uh, to force Atlanta into passing. Marcus Mariota was seven of 19 for 139 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. And he won the game. (laughs) (laughs) That's what his stat line was in a win. His QBR was 26.4. His passer rating was 41.4. He was terrible and he still won the game. So without Kyle Pitts also and Cordero Patterson, who they use as a receiver, um, you're going to have to take the lead and force just like the chiefs forced the bucks last week. You're going to have to force the Falcons into passing down. And I don't think Marcus Mariota, while he is shifty on his feet, he's not going to get away from you every single time. Let's talk about this pass rush for Tampa Bay. Top three in the league in sacks. 14 sacks so far through four games for Tampa Bay. Uh, They have been productive. I know somebody in the live chat, our buddy Richard T, said our run defense has been really concerning. I remember Bruce Arian said recently they wanted some interior defensive linemen to get after the quarterback, so they drafted Hall and then signed Akeem Hicks. Really has not worked out, but for those of us who haven't been paying attention, uh, Logan Hall is is kind of doing his thing. I, I know he's a little bit of an unsung hero there, the interior defensive line, but he is one of the higher-graded defensive rookies in the NFL right now. Of course, Akeem Hicks going to be dealing with the injury for the next couple of weeks, but what do you expect for this pass rush? Because I don't know if they'll get four or five sacks on the day, but some constant pressure is certainly going to help Marcus Mariota throw an interception or two. Yeah, the the Falcons' offensive line is improved. Um, last year was a dumpster fire, but the Falcons' offensive line is improved. However, it's still not great. It's probably the worst offensive line the Bucks have played yet this season. So, um, this is a game yeah where the defensive line who disappeared uh, last week. I mean, Jack Bear was talking all that noise, and you know the front seven got dominated. They need to respond in a big way this week and make Mariota uncomfortable. Now, it does concern me because, like you said, when a quarterback can escape the pocket, it seems like the Bucks really seem to overcommit to just trying to keep him in the pocket, and they they overrun their lanes, and and the quarterback can get five six yards easily. Um, and Mariota's going to take that all day, and they're going to be able to control the clock. They're going to be able to control the sticks, and that's not going to put your defense in advantageous positions. Um, you know, I talked about winning on first down for the offense, but winning on first down for the defense is even more important because the reason that they can't get anybody off the field on third down is because every third down is third and three third and two third and one these are nfl offenses you know and, and yeah the bucks could stop them every now and then but a lot of times you're going to convert a third and two like like you just are um and especially when you play an offense like kansas city obviously atlanta's offense is not like kansas city's but it doesn't matter like you, you give them third and twos you know five straight drives yeah they're going to convert them like they're going to convert them most of the time and that's going to lead to touchdowns you know if you're hundred percent on third down in the game. There's a good chance you won the game. <laughs> like if you just never punt, which Kansas city didn't do until really late in the game, there's a good chance that you're going to win the game. So the bucks have to find a way to win on first down. There was too many times where the chiefs were getting seven, eight yards on first down. They would try something on second down. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. Well, it's third and two now. So let's just convert that. And let's do it again. You know, there, there was just too many times you need to start getting, you know, only allowing two, three yards on first down, set up a second and eight, second and seven, or, you know, a sack on first down to set up a second and 15. Like that's what you need to start doing as a defense, because right now you're just putting your defense in, in tough spots because 
there's no way you're going to be able to stop them on every third and two. This is still an NFL offense. TB12 Goatman in the live chat brings up a good point. And I wanted to transition to this as we look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. There's another former Atlanta Falcon who's going to be looking to play a good game against his former team. That's Keanu Neal, the safety who should be available, maybe in a bigger capacity with the absence yeah, of Logan probably, Ryan. He'll probably play a little bit more. Him, him and Sean Murphy Bunting will probably play a little. You'll probably see them a little bit more so, than you normally would. I know that this is uh you know, I know that we just spent a lot of time talking about how Atlanta can definitely bring some different looks when they are running the ball, but we would expect maybe like a base defense look with some more SMB, as you said. Yeah, I, I think you could see, um, and maybe, you know, they move Anton Winfield around a little bit with the injury to Logan Ryan. Maybe they move him back to safety and have Sean Murray Bunting play a little, bit, a little bit more nickel. I think you could see a lot of things. The, the injury to Ryan hurts. Uh, but I think it helps that the Bucks have such depth at safety, like Keanu Neal will step in. And then if you need uh, Antoine Winfield to move back to safety, you have a player in Sean Murphy Bunting who, I mean, yeah, he's been up and down, very inconsistent, but he's played the nickel before. It's not like you're throwing in there an undrafted rookie who, you know, doesn't have any experience. So um, you have depth there. And like I said, the injury hurts, but, you know, it could be worse. Our buddy Richard T in the chat brings up the pass rush yet again. He says, I know Joe Tryon Shoinka is supposed to replace JPP, but he hasn't even been close to that kind of production. And I will say with this, JPP, we're big fans of, uh, you know, JPP. We're down with JPP. Made his debut with the Ravens a couple of weeks ago. That looks weird. Um, I mean, his production was the biggest reason he he wasn't on this team. I know we can talk about the weight that he carried in that locker room and, and one of the... Uh, you know, one of your leaders on the defensive side of the ball. And those are big shoes to fill for a guy like JTS, a second-year player. But as far as production goes, it's hard for me to look at what they put on tape and say that, like, oh, there has just been this drastic drop-off. Because JPP, even though he was a vocal leader kind of guy, he did not produce on the field that last season here. He was kind of – I mean, he was surviving. Yeah, he was – and he was struggling through injury. He wasn't great last year. Um I will say the stat sheet won't show Joe Tryon showing as productive. The tape looks a little bit better. Uh, that doesn't mean he doesn't have to be better, but I think everybody just has these lofty expectations for him. Look, this is the, the, the first, the first year that he is starting on this team. Like th- this is, yeah, he was, this is the second year in the NFL. He has more experience now, but he was in a rotation, you know, last year, this is first year starting. There's going to be growing pains. Like th- there just is. If he's still having the same issues next year, okay, we can talk about it. But, like, there's going to be growing pains. That doesn't mean he has to be better. He does. And if this team wants to win the championship this year, he will have to be better. You know, um, But like, there is going to be those growing pains for the player that's still developing. Everybody talks about Joe Tryon Shawinka like he's this finished product. He's shown flashes. He, he, you know, he has. He's shown inconsistencies. That's what a, a player like him will do. And and I think he's shown a lot of good. He's shown a lot of bad. And, and it's it's all about putting it together. I don't think Joe Tryon Shawinka, and I said this when they drafted him, he's not going to be a guy who's going to get you, you know, 12, oh, 12 to 15 sacks. No, that, he's more like a 8 to maybe 10 sack guy. He's not that type of pass rush. Well, when you talk about the ceiling of this year in particular, yeah. I mean, I, I maybe I'm a little biased because he was my breakout player of the year on a whim by the way my breakout player is looking really good yeah jamel dean balling the <laughs> hell out this year contract year for him too so he's uh he's gonna be looking to get paid 
that could be a problem. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, talk about that later in the year. Yeah, but with Joe Tryon Shoyinka, man, I had tweeted something out to the effect of if you were expecting him to be a twelve plus player, uh, twelve plus sack player this season, that's a you problem. Like th- like that comes down to the expectations that you have set for a second year outside linebacker. Not saying he couldn't. Time. Not saying he couldn't do that, but it's just one of those things where, like, let's be realistic. You know, let's look at the sample size he had in year one, splitting snaps the way that he did with a guy that already didn't want to come off of the field. You know, it was kind of tough to find a place. And here he is playing next to guys like Shaq Barrett. And I mean, where's the upset for Shaq Barrett? You know, I'm not saying that he can't end up in. uh, He can't produce. He got paid by Tampa Bay, had that 20 sack season a couple of years ago, and we all love him for it. But like, I mean, I think when he has a quiet game. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, Josh Rodriguez had like two in a row, and everybody's like, uh, you know, like on, on the tape, he's shown flashes. Like, I think everybody just looks at the box score and says, oh, he's not getting sacks. Okay. Like, that's not the, that's not the whole thing. Like, what are the defenses doing? How are they protecting? Who's he going up against? Who are the tackles that he's going up against? Are they really good? Like, people are acting like he's a seven year veteran. I mean, like, these last he, two weeks, let's face it, he's, he's going up against Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, but like, you know, the offensive lines that they're going up against, like, you know, it's not like I just don't think it's going to click. And for pa- for pass rushers and for corners, to me, those are the two positions on defense where it's just it doesn't always click right away. And like, I'm not saying he had doesn't have to be better. I've said that. Like, yes, he has to be better. However, I'm not going to hit sit here and say, oh, this guy sucks. He's, he's a bust. I, I'm not there yet. Like, could you know? Like I said, if we're still having this conversation this time a year from now, maybe then you can start to talk about okay, like yeah, he should be taking that step. But he's looked decent. I think he's looked better than the stats would show. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of Bucks fans, have grown accustomed to defending Vita Vey and saying like, oh yeah, he's not a box score guy. Yeah, but and you remember those first two years of Vita Vea. Yeah, yeah but yeah. now they've, they've grown accustomed to it, to saying, like, oh, he's not a box score guy, just just watch the games. Um, and now I think they, they need to sort of get that way with Joe Tronchowinka. Like, um, yeah, I, I think that eventually he can become, maybe this year isn't the year. Like, it's fine. Like, you know, it'll hurt, like, the team this year. But, like, long term, I'm still not overly concerned with, with Joe Tronchowinka. Like, I saw I saw it. This is what Twitter is great for, all the comparisons that people show out. But I had actually seen a, uh, <laughs> I had seen a comparison this week of uh, JTS to Noah Spence. Well, I mean that's just that's a great comparison. That's <laughs> a, that, that that is a oh man, I mean, that, he should take that as like that's a compliment. That is yeah, a comment of the highest honor. What is Noah Spence up to these days? Being you know the the hero of my life i don't know uh, he's not he's not playing on a roster right now uh well he was on the bangles but i don't know if he's still on the bangles so. spence one of one over here yeah hey noah if you want to come on the show man <laughs> i will defend you to the end of earth i promise oh, um, man hey so our buddy jacko in the chat brings it up as well i wanted to ask your opinion before we get into some final score predictions oh, I, I, we've I've talked about this. The we, we've talked week. about it a lot, but we have another week to talk about it here as we look at uh, not that great of an offensive line coming into town with Atlanta. Do you think Vita Vea maybe, you know, maybe changes some people's minds this week and shows no. us what he's capable of? Nope. It's, you think it's, it's going to be another bad week until he shows me like it's been, it's been consistent like this entire year. It hasn't been like, Oh yeah. He had that one really bad game, but he was good. The other ones like, no, he hasn't shown up. 
And like the run defense has hurt because of that. Like uh, Vita Vea is like the primary reason teams couldn't run the ball in the box. Like that he was a, such a big body in the middle of the defense. There was a reason that, that they just couldn't run. Now they are like, there's a reason there's a correlation there. Like there is a, a connection there and yeah, he has to be better. And I just, you know, until he proves it, could he? Sure. I, I think he could. He's that talented of a player. Like I think he's still a really good player, but in, until he proves it to me, I'm going to assume no. Like I said, the Falcons were going to get over a hundred rushing yards. Like, that was that was my prediction on, on Bucks Nation this week for the staff picks. It's just I thought the Falcons were going to get over 100 rushing yards again. They're they're built that way, and I just until I see it with this run defense, I'm not going to believe it. Give me some other game predictions you have, and then a final score prediction as we start to wrap this thing up. Maybe we could call this the take bag segment, if you will, or the weekly checklist. Yeah, um, we'll throw it. Uh, all, we'll jumble it all into one. That's how we well, do segments here on the pod. <laughs> Mike Evans dominates the Falcons a lot of times with touchdowns, but Chris Godwin dominates with catches and yards. So Mike Evans will never have like, oh, 10 catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns against the Falcons. No, he might have like two touchdowns or so, but it'll be like two or three big plays, and then that'll be pretty much it. And um, I think Tom Brady, again, goes another week without throwing an interception. That would be only one since Dallas, so... It's only one in Dallas, I should say. He didn't throw another one. But um, I will say he goes another week without throwing an interception, and I'll say he throws three touchdowns. So that's that's one prediction. Um, and then, you know what, just to shut everybody up, just trying to show Inca will get two sacks. How about that? Wow. Wow, that sounds like a spite pick. Yeah, it might be. Yeah? It sounds be. like you don't really believe in it. Uh, okay. Uh, 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 maybe. <laughs> Maybe he, he might get two sacks. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to agree he, with he you. Might not. Oh, he, he might not. Oh, he may. Okay, okay. I, I'm going not. to agree with you on the uh, on the Chris Godwin take. He always does play well against Atlanta. I think this is going to be Chris Godwin's first 100-plus yard receiving game on the season, obviously, if he can stay healthy. But I think he's going to get a healthy dose of targets if he's feeling good. Brady feels good throwing to him yet again after Kansas City last week. So I think he'll probably be the most targeted wide receiver on the offense. And uh, my other bold take... Julio Jones finds the end zone. I think Julio's yeah. going to give it a go, and I think they're going to make it as much of a goal as they can to to get number six in the end zone against Atlanta. That'd be pretty dope. That'd be pretty sweet. What an image, right? First, what an image. Tom, Tom Brady throwing the ball to Julio Jones, who brings for, it down for a first, touchdown in Raymond first, James Stadium. First Bucks touchdown against the Right. Bucks. He gets up. Cannons fire against the Falcons. Like, it's just going to be four hours of sadness for any Atlanta fans that we know watching the game on Sunday. Maybe Russell Gage gives it a go and he gets a couple of targets. At this point, if he plays, I would expect it to be on a snap count maybe four or five catches at the most for him. But uh, I'd like to see Julio Jones go out there and find the end zone. So I think he'll do just that. Let's get to the weekly checklist here. Basically three things the Tampa Bay Buccaneers need to do if they want to be successful against the division opponent, Atlanta Falcons, this Sunday. We have actually yet to mention it. But uh, the winner of this game takes the NFC South for the time being. Yeah, for the time being, the the winner is so, you know it's like this is what we talked about just like y'all predicted you know yeah everybody, exactly everybody everybody saw this knew coming. before the season like how oh, that week five matchup is going to be, um but uh, yeah so number one is win on first down this applies for the offense and defense win on first down you have to um it just it it, it creates success like you know when you're putting your your defense you know 
you can pin your ears back as pass rushers when you're the offense you're facing is in third and long situations and they're in obvious passing downs. Um, so yeah, you got to win on first down and for the offense. Yeah. It's advantageous. Like you can get third and shorts. You don't have to be having third and seven, third and sixes the entire time. Um, the other one is start fast on offense uh, and, and on defense, the, the defense still every single uh, game this year, they have allowed a score on the opening possession. So obviously last week versus Kansas city was tough. Kansas city was getting points either way, but it still remains true. Um, so defense needs to start fast and the offense needs to start fast. The offense has not scored an opening drive touchdown. So how about, you know, you have an opening drive touchdown, then get an opening drive stop. Um, and then three, I mean, yeah, you have to get a consistent pass rush. And I think a consistent pass rush that also, I think the linebackers are going to are gonna play a pretty important factor in this, specifically Devin White, because of Mariota's ability to run. Uh, so I think you're going to have to have a pass rush, a consistent pass rush that creates uh, uncomfortability for Mariota. And hopefully the Bucks can build a lead so the Falcons are in obvious pass situations. So Shaq Barrett, Joe Tryon, Shrewinka, and really Todd Bowles can dial up some blitzes and just really pin their ears back and, and start to dominate the game. Because it would be nice to get... The Bucs really haven't had, you know, besides Dallas, you know, like Dallas week one was it. Like they haven't had that like game where you're like in the fourth quarter, you're like, phew, you know, and even yeah. like for a little bit versus Dallas in the fourth quarter, you're like, okay, like. Let's get turnover. another score here. Let's yeah, put it yeah. away. Yeah. Like that turnover happened, like the Brady pick happened in the fourth quarter. You're like, oh, like yeah. this could be, you know, so like it'd be nice to have a nice little comfortable, you know, fourth quarter. I don't know if it's going to happen, but um, it would be nice to, if the defense could just go out there and, and shut everybody up because there's a lot of noise out there right now. I'll tell you this. If this Atlanta comes in here and makes a run on you in the first few quarters, you don't even have to sweat it because they are the best in the league at giving up the big lead in the second half of the game. But with all of that being said, I agree with you on the fact of uh, it'd be nice to see the Buccaneers, you know, put the shoe on the other foot in a sense as far as dictating the game, winning the first quarter so you don't have this this uh this feeling of anxiety when you're playing from behind and you're forced to give up the run three carries into it. You know, you like to see them control the clock, control the scoreboard, because if you can make this Falcons offense one dimensional, Marcus Mariota is going to give you the football. They are just not that great at passing. They don't have the weapons. Calvin Ridley, they don't have who has just been. I mean, the Falcons, I think, are still undefeated. The only undefeated team against the spread this year. Did yeah, you see that? He's, he's making a lot of money. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Calvin Ridley is at home uh, with our guys over at betonline.ag just raking it in. Make sure you do the same, actually. Sign up. Use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at betonline.ag for an extra 50% bonus on your first deposit. If you put in 100 bucks, I believe they'll give you $50 on us, courtesy of our friends over at the Believe Podcast Network. Promo code B-L-E-A-V. Do you believe? You like that? little segue yeah they, they put that they put that on the uh on the script copy and i i never read it but this week i had to make sure i slide that in there there you go um yeah i think the bucks offense does a pretty good job driving the football this week i'd like to see them win the game early and then just kind of go into conservative mode there in the second half to really drive things out and lean on your defense a little bit who also is looking to bounce back this week and uh, i think they do just that so let me do bucks winning this one 31-14. Uh 30, oh, wow. 31-14. Yeah, I think it's a 17 point game when it's all said and done. You I think they get on I think less points. I think Tampa Bay Buccaneers go on a run here early. 
And uh, I just, I'm telling you, like, I, I think this is that game where the Bucs are going to look like the Bucs. We have waited to see. The offense is kind of itching. Everybody's healthy. And now we figured out how to throw to the running back so Lenny doesn't have to take the ball 25 times a game plus a couple of catches mixed in there. So uh, hopefully they get that all figured out this week. And I'd like to see them change the tone to a lot of people, especially the ones in the live chat. Not everybody. We love everybody watching, but some people are just Debbie Downers this week, and I'm tired of that narrative. But uh, what is your pick for the game this week? Um, Real quick from Mikey. Is it actually Chris Baker's birthday? Because that would be hysterical. I think uh, Mikey has been trying to get us to talk about Chris Baker on the podcast well, for like no, he, three weeks in a he, row now. Yeah, he, I don't even he, I don't even think him, it's Chris Baker's birthday. I think he just wanted you to say that. Well, me, me and him share. Yeah, he shares a lot of thoughughts about Chris Baker. With me over, over <laughs> he's the biggest Chris Baker fan I've ever seen. Um, he's the only person I've ever seen who's like, maybe we should call Chris Baker. Um, yeah, but anyways, uh, I think the Bucks win. I think it's a close game for most of the game. Um, I think a one score game for most of the game, and I, I think the Bucks win. I'm gonna go 31 to 23. Uh, I think the Bucks win by eight, so technically still one score. Um, but I just yeah, the Bucks are just a better team. If they lose this game, you can hit the panic button. Uh, you can hit you can well, hit the panic button because if they lose this game, it might mean they're just not that good. Like honestly, like I don't think they're going to lose the game, but if you lose this type of game at home to try and avoid three straight losses, three straight home losses to a Falcons team who's already derived a talent and they, they were without Cordero, Cordero passion and Kyle Pitts, you might be able to put a wrap on the season because two and three with a loss of the Falcons. Like they, I can't take you seriously after that. That is tough. And then you look at the slate of opponents the Bucks have after this. So week six, you're into Pittsburgh playing uh, a team that just decided to start their rookie quarterback. So you're playing Pittsburgh, you're playing Carolina, a team that also could start one and six. Let's be honest. Baker has not been good there for Matt Rule. And uh, that's just the facts. But hopefully the Bucks can turn it around this week and look to stack some wins at this point in the season. Richard T, Bucks 27, Atlanta 20, Jacko Bluntly 38 to 10, Tampa Bay, TB12 Goatman, I believe, had the Buccaneers winning 31 to 17. With all that being said, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much, folks, for checking us out. We truly do appreciate you waking up early on this Saturday morning. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Check out his written work at BucksNation.com. I know you brought up the staff picks, but uh, anything else coming out? Well, after the game on Sunday, either Sunday night or Monday, I'll be reviewing the staff picks. So looking at all the different picks and predictions and see how right or wrong they were. So I my prediction was that the, the Falcons would rush for over 100 yards but still lose the game. So that was that was my – so technically I have two predictions there. So I'm, I'm putting – I'm risking it all there. Double or nothing. I like it. After the game on Sunday, we will also be reviewing the game in real time. Uh, that'll be right here at YouTube.com forward slash Cannon Fire Podcast. A couple minutes after the end of the game, we'll be live breaking it down. And uh, you can also find me this week. I'm going to be filling in for our buddy James Hill on his game reaction live stream so the Mr. Bucks Nation YouTube channel, head over there during the game if you're looking to just hang out and talk some Buccaneer ball as it happens. Last but not least, you can find myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Shout out once again to the greatest wide receiver in Tampa Bay Buccaneers recent history, Cole Beasley, 
on an incredible tenor here for the Red and Pewter. Uh, privileged to have seen them. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you guys after the game on Sunday. Should be a good one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.